Ladies and gentlemen, basketball fans across the world, welcome to another episode of the Basketball Podcast. It's Jeremy Brenner here, and today we have a very exciting podcast. You know, it's like we're, you know, I feel like it's history, but if you... This feels like it was yesterday, I feel, uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I think it kind of feels like yesterday because trades are a huge part of the NBA. And we learned that yet again this week when James Harden was dealt to the Nets. Um, but we're going to talk about another big major trade uh, with Chris Paul going to the Lakers. Oh, wait, that happened, right? Uh, there's a whole big story there, and I feel that I can't tell that story well enough without my guest here today, Miss Sabrina Merchant. She is a contributor for Silver Screen and Roll over at SB Nation, the Lakers home for all things uh, on SB Nation. So Sabrina, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for having me on. I love talking Lakers history. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I guess with the whole Harden trade, this is kind of a good place to start. I know we talk about... Um, you know, the past, but I feel like I would be doing a disservice to my listeners without at least not mentioning or trying to get your feedback on the trade. So quick thoughts on the Harden trade and what that means for the league right now. So it's, it's weird to say that the team that traded the superstar did the best because, you know, obviously the goal of the game here is to get the best players possible and Houston did not do that, but I, I really like what they were able to get. You know, you'd think with all of the leverage James Harden seemingly seated when he gave that press conference and when he demanded the trade and just presumably like not really given a crap for the last four mm -hmm. games. I thought Houston wasn't going to be able to do this well, but they did. And uh, I don't really understand why Brooklyn felt like they were under a barrel to give all of their picks away for the next seven yeah. years. But hey, they, they, uh, all in. they, they, they pushed all their chips in. Yeah. I, it's funny because we we just had this championship that the Lakers won where they kind of proved that you don't need three stars. Like two in depth is not exactly a bad way of going about things. And Brooklyn was like, no, let's do three. Right? Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think it's so much more interesting, you know, personally, just to have uh, superstars in places where they can contend for a championship. And with all due respect to the Rockets, I didn't think that was a situation that James Harden found himself in this year. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's better, you know, that he's in a position where he can – you know, potentially win the Eastern Conference with this Brooklyn team. And it's going to be hella interesting to see what that partnership with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving looks like. But I'm a little bummed. Just I, uh, I've been on the record saying that I thought he was going to go to Philly. I thought that was a really interesting, mm -hmm. uh, you know, that Harden and Bede fit was really compelling to me just because of, he seems to fit exactly what the Sixers needed, whereas he just amplifies what the Nets already have. So right. whatever. And we'll see. Maybe, maybe someday. Maybe someday Harden will wake his way back to Philly. I'm sure they're still interested in trying to pry him away. And, mm -hmm. you know, I would I would also give my feedback on it, but I've already done so much of that over <laughs> on my other podcast. I had to change the name of my other I podcast. I was just about to ask, what yeah. is the new name of it's, the Harden My Take dream podcast? Take. It's the Dream okay. Take. We, we mm. want slight rebrand, not not total, you know, rehaul. I wanted to name it Houston We Have a Podcast, <laughs> but – I left it up to the fans and they decided that. So you can go follow the dream take on Twitter as well. And you can listen to all of my thoughts on the Harden trade and all things Houston Rockets. But let's go back to the past. This is the basketball podcast. So let's talk about the past. So believe it or not, this is going to be in, we just passed the nine year anniversary of this trade, uh, the Chris Paul trade. And, you know, I want to know 
Sabrina, what you when you found out about this trade, like take me back to like, do you remember where you were when the Chris Paul trade happened to the Lakers? And, you know, what were you thinking at the time? Okay, so, I mean, you already mentioned that I contribute for Silver Spring Roll. I'm a diehard Laker fan. So this is very much something that was, you know, in my thoughts all of, you know, for the 2011 offseason. Uh, so obviously the, the NBA just came back from a lockout, right? Uh, mm-hmm. The Lakers had lost pretty spectacularly in the playoffs. Yeah, the year sweet, before. Right? Yes. Swept mm-hmm. by the Dallas Mavericks. It was just, it was ugly. They lost mm-hmm. the last three games. They weren't even really in them. Ron Artest got suspended for a game. Andrew Bynum laid out JJ Barea. Uh, Lamar Odom got ejected from the final game. This Phil Jackson had retired. There was a lot of shaking up happening in Lakerland, mm-hmm. and it was pretty clear that they needed to do something uh, to get themselves back into contention. And they had decided that that move was going to be acquiring Chris Paul, who had played really well against mm-hmm. the Lakers in the playoffs the year before. Uh, the Hornets had taken the Lakers to six, uh, which was somewhat surprising considering, you know, two-time defending champions, and this was the seventh seed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, they go after Chris Paul. Um, I remember when the trade was announced, I thought the Lakers had given up too much. <laughs> Yeah. Um, they had traded Lamar Odom and Pau Gasol, uh, along with uh, some, you know, pick packages, whatever. That wasn't particularly interesting. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Pau was still an all-star. He was really good. Uh, Lamar was coming off his sixth man of the year season. He was the guy who was in all of the Lakers closing lineups. So to me, it seemed like you're giving up two guys who you count on, you know, to end games for you for one who... I'm going to be totally honest here. I've never been a Chris Paul fan. I was always team Darren Williams. There was a little bias here coming from my perspective. Like obviously <laughs> Paul was the better player. I, I hadn't come to terms with that at that point. I think it's fair to say 10 years later that I've agreed to it, whatever. Darren Williams is playing in NBA finals. <laughs> Paul's not. So, uh, I thought they'd given up too much. And it's I, I can't remember the exact time frame, but I know I was in the parking lot of Ralph's, which is our grocery store here, mm-hmm. when I found out that the veto had come through. And I was like, oh, this is great. <laughs> like, I think this is a mistake. <laughs> I don't know why we're, you know, doubling down and going small because, I mean, we're in the situation where Andrew Bynum has, you know, obviously the Lakers see him as their center of the future. You think, like, why do you really need Powell and another big man when you've got this guy? You can go a little bit smaller with Bynum and, like, another shooting four or something. But, mm-hmm. He was so inconsistent. Uh, He, again, had just knocked out J.J. Barea in the final game of the playoffs, was going to be suspended for the first five games of the next season. Uh, He'd been injured in multiple postseasons. I think this was the year, oh, no, the previous season, he had delayed having surgery so that he could go to the 2010 World Cup, came back, had surgery, and then missed the first 20-some games of the season. So not exactly the most reliable person you want to put all your eggs in the Andrew Biden basket. So I just, I didn't see the fit with Chris Paul. I was like, he seems like he's really good with, you know, the Tyson Chandler or Mecca Okafor type, you know, a nice big guy who he can play pick and roll with. And I'm like, Andrew Bynum's not going to do that. He's not going to play pick and roll. He wants to post up the ball all the time. Mm-hmm. I don't get it. I don't like it. <laughs> and yeah. I was so incredibly happy when I found out that the veto came through. I feel like we could do a whole episode on just Andrew Bynum. Maybe mm. that'll be a future episode. That, Cause that has some good, some bad, some oh weird, goodness. some ugly, some beautiful. There's a whole lot to go into there, but I'm going to kind of answer my own question here. Cause I think this is a fun one. Mm-hmm. Um, so obviously I'm from Houston and I was in the eighth grade uh, when this was happening and I was playing on my junior high team. I was on the eighth grade basketball team uh, at Fort settlement middle school. 
Sugarland, Texas. And I was playing a game. And oh, wow. then after the game, I can't remember if we won or lost. I think we won because uh, people were in a good mood. And then my coach was like, the Rockets got Pau Gasol. And I'm like, what? Like, <laughs> why? Like, I was confused because the Rockets at that point were kind of in, you know, purgatory. They were not good, but not bad. They were like hovering around the ninth or the 10th seed, trying to fight for an eighth seed. And they ultimately, so the trade, they, the Hornets wanted the Rockets farm instead of mm-hmm. the Lakers farm to make this trade. So the Lakers didn't really have a farm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, the farm being Lamar Odom, Yeah. And, uh, you know, I mean, people that were strong contributors on two title teams, but so the Hornets got Lamar Odom, Kevin Martin, Luis Scola and Goran Dragic. And if, I mean, Kevin Martin at that point was the number one player on the Rockets. Right. He was their leading scorer. Goran Dragic was an up and coming uh, point guard. And as you can see, you know, had a pretty solid career. Luis Scola was probably the most liked player on the Rockets, at least from a fan perspective. So to bring in Paul Gasol, who at that point, I'd seen Paul Gasol as kind of a, a Kobe sidekick. Like he was just, okay, he's a number two, but why would he be a number one? So, mm-hmm. That I found out about the trade then. I didn't find out about the veto until a little bit yeah. later that evening. But I was probably in the same boat as you, Sabrina. I was pretty happy about this veto because I didn't really understand it. And I didn't want Luis Scola to go. I think people people forget how great Luis Scola was. And not in a like superstar kind of way. But there are people out there that are Luis Scola diehards. Mm-hmm. And there is an un, like untapped... like. People don't know about these kind of people, but in Argentina, he's like a god. Yeah. Definitely. And in Houston, he's a prophet. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I think most of Houston was not that we weren't excited for Pagasol, but we didn't really think that it was. We thought this was kind of one step back, that this really didn't do much. And ironically enough, this trade does a whole lot because it kind of shapes the future of the next 10 years in the NBA, if we if we kind of look at it from that perspective. So if you think about it, this veto, so let's talk about this veto and why this veto happens, because you don't see this all the time. So at the time of the trade, the Hornets were owned by the NBA, which basically because they they wanted to, the, the league wanted to keep the Hornets in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. They weren't in New Orleans for not 10 years, probably, when this trade happened and there was still like, and, and they didn't have a full time owner yet. The Bensons came in um, a couple years later, I believe, but they, so there was like the NBA owns the team and I guess help me out Sabrina, if you can, but the, the league owning the Hornet means that every owner has a stake in the Hornets as well. Yeah. It's very strange because like the NBA is like half owned by the owners. So all, 30 of them were like sort of involved in the decision-making process. Even everyone had like a team and a 30th of of another. So they own a team and a team plus a 30th. Yeah. Yeah. So there were a lot of people that were upset by this because the Lakers, not only do they get the best player in this deal, they don't give up a whole, I mean, they gave up a lot, but also 
they save a lot of money in the luxury tax. I think it was like what right. $1 million in luxury tax savings. Yeah. That's a really good point because uh, at the time it wasn't that the Lakers were just trying to get Chris Paul. They were trying to create a new big three mm-hmm. of Kobe, Chris Paul and Dwight Howard, mm-hmm. who was sort of angling out of Orlando at the time. And the idea here was that yes, the Lakers have saved money. Right. Mm-hmm. And they can also use Andrew Bynum to be part of a Dwight Howard trade in the future. So they had everything going in place. Right. So so basically they were going to take all of that money and then they were going to use that money towards getting Chris Paul a long-term deal, getting Dwight Howard a long-term deal, and then you have prime Chris Paul and in some ways prime Dwight Howard with Kobe being – and at that point also the Heat were – brand new they they hadn't won a championship yet so teams were looking to challenge the heat and there's the sort of heat lakers rivalry which i'll say this one of the most tragic things from this era is that we never got a lebron kobe finals i yeah. cannot believe we never got a lebron kobe that would have been everything it's really kobe's fault because lebron was there you know this nine out of ten years and it's funny because it's lebron LeBron apologizes to Kobe for losing in the 2009 conference finals that they didn't mean. It's like, LeBron, you don't apologize. You were there every year. <laughs> since then, like, he, has he missed? How many finals has he missed since since that year? So he got that to his first two, finals right? in 2007, right? Yeah. And since then, what, there have been 14 finals. He's missed four of them. That's incredibly <laughs> ridiculous. But <laughs> so let's go back. So this veto happens. And we hear this. So there's a lot of backlash from this trade that happens. Uh, most notably when I was doing my research for this, David Griffin, owner of the Cavs at the time, who is all types of salty from losing LeBron James and agency <laughs> not a year ago. Um, but there's all this, you know, Hey, like, you know, Are you mean Dan Gilbert, Gilbert, right? Sorry. Oh yeah, Dan, Dan Gilbert. Sorry. Sure. Yeah, I don't know David. Who's David Gilbert? He was uh, the the GM of the at the time. We're we're close. Okay. 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 So yeah, <laughs> Dean Gilbert. I I I know them all, but they just kind of got the Comic Sans guy. <laughs> so so the so Gilbert gives Dan Gilbert gives his you know displeasure for the trade, and I'm sure mm-hmm. he's not the only one, but he was the most vocal of it. I think because um, this deal really benefits you know the large markets, the big markets, you know, cause you have small little new Orleans, one of the smaller markets in the league. And now you have LA who just came off of, you know, two, two finals appearances, two championships. And it looks like they're going to gear for another run, uh, almost shoe in for the finals. Mm-hmm. And so this is also kind of where I want this conversation to kind of skew and, and what this means, small markets versus big markets. So Sabrina, do you think there's like, do you understand where Dan Gilbert's coming from in this whole, you know, rich are getting richer and poor are getting poorer and you know what that does for the league? Yeah, I, I totally understand that. I mean, he obviously was just going through a situation where their homegrown star had chosen to leave Cleveland and he's witnessing something similar in New Orleans where Chris Paul, their homegrown drafted guy, is angling to get out and not just get out, but to go to Los Angeles, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's not like he's going to just the I don't know, the Bucks or something. Like, it's a big market that gets all of the stars, and that has to be supremely annoying. And it's funny because the Lakers had a similar situation last year when they yeah. got into the games. Uh, yeah, he's repeating itself. As yes, history always repeats itself. And um, James Harden goes to Brooklyn. Right. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm, I don't know, I'm kind of of the belief that 
small markets can get the job done if they run their organizations well. And Cleveland was obviously in a situation where they made possibly every wrong decision in terms of building a team around LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Like they they double down on what Anton Jameson, Anderson Verishaw, Shaquille O'Neal. Like it was really just like the worst possible mm-hmm. situation you could create in terms of who would play next to LeBron James. And when he went back to Cleveland, obviously like they had a much better understanding of how to optimize his talents. And, you know, granted there had been a blueprint created in Miami. So it wasn't like they were starting from scratch or anything, but I guess there aren't a ton of good examples of this in the league because the last, what 10 titles have all been won by big market teams other than Cleveland. And they happen to benefit by this, you know, wonderful happenstance that LeBron James grew up 45 minutes away from there. Like it's not, <laughs> it's not like they just won because they were a small market. They won because LeBron James chose to play there. Um, and so maybe it's disingenuous to say that like a small market could just run their team correctly and they'd be able to win a title. Like I'm kind of hoping that Milwaukee wins a title just to prove that point at some point. Mm-hmm. But you know, if guys don't want to play in a certain city, I don't really blame them. I mean, they, they get drafted, you know, to these teams. They don't have any choice in that. It really behooves them financially to re-sign with them at least for a few years after their first rookie contract. Uh, there's they, they give a lot of their equity to the small teams, you know, when they're mm-hmm. drafted there. And if they want to move, like, I don't I don't really see the issue. Uh, maybe I say that because I grow, you know. I've right, yeah, you're from a big market. market so. Yeah, like, not just a big market team, the big market mm-hmm. team, right? Because yeah. ironically enough, the Clippers at this point who swoop in and we'll talk more Clippers in the next episode that comes out tomorrow, but you know, the Clippers at this point, they're in Los Angeles, but they're not like, they're not taking advantage of Los Angeles. Right. They're not taking advantage of it. And this was kind of the first step in towards taking advantage of the fact that you live in Los Angeles and you can attract these big time players to come play for your team. And I guess is this good for the league? Like, I know it's good for those teams that li- that happen. Because I feel like, coming from someone that isn't a Lakers fan, and someone that, sure. you know, I feel like the Lakers kind of came in, and they, they after Kobe, they, they struggled a little bit. But they didn't have to struggle too much, because LeBron came to the Lakers because, not because the Lakers were good, because they were in Los Angeles. And... Anthony Davis doesn't come to Los Angeles if LeBron James isn't there. So to me, it's like they they were able to rebuild quickly. And, you know, that has nothing to do with the fact that the Lakers, you know, still had to optimize their talents correctly, and which they did to a, to a T. They, they did it absolutely perfect the way they created that team and, and executed their plans. So they don't they deserve that. And mm-hmm. but the question is, you know, these teams can like is it good that some teams get a leg up versus others? And what does that mean for the small market teams? Yeah. I mean, you look at like the Kings are in what year 15 of their playoff drought and right. no one is angling to just move to Sacramento because like their production company is based there. Or, like, you know, their Asian friend wants to live there. Right. Like, that's not happening. And Minnesota, what they, they went like a decade without a playoff appearance mm-hmm. before that Jimmy Butler team. And I don't know when the next time they're getting back there is. So uh, yeah, I, I definitely think if you're in a small market, things are much, much harder. But I don't know. I, I kind of look at Golden State as a good example of how things can get done. Like right. they were they were a pretty terrible team, right? They had like the We Believe Warriors in 2007 Seven. and then just nothing after that, right? Um, but then they they draft really well, right? They draft Steph Curry. They draft Clay Thompson, Harrison Barnes, Draymond Green. And they put together the core of a team that makes the playoffs. And 
they attract one good free agent. I don't I don't know if Andre Godala wanted to live in the Bay because he wanted to be around Silicon Valley. Maybe that's part of it. But I also think a lot of it is, is they had a good team. They had a good team. He played them in the playoffs. He saw firsthand what they were capable of doing, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there are ways to build a team organically. You know, uh, it obviously takes a lot of luck. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at Charlotte, right? They tank their way into all of the best possible draft picks and like they end up number two in the Anthony Davis draft, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. Michael King Girls Grace is not in the same sentence as Anthony Davis, right? <laughs> Even if they no, were on after in college, that's about it. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I, I just, I want to believe that there's a way that these small market teams can make things happen, provided that their ownership is willing to pay, but maybe, maybe there isn't like, maybe the NBA is just satisfied that, you know, New York, LA, Boston, you know, the Bay now, I guess are capable of doing well. And the other teams just sort of have to suck it. Like, I, I don't think that's the way it should be, but I do think that there are some markets that like Phoenix, let's say, for example, mm-hmm. I think there's no reason why NBA players wouldn't want to live in Phoenix. Like it's, uh, it's close enough to Los Angeles. Like, uh, you can, but it isn't Los Angeles. It isn't Los Angeles. Right. But like, it's good enough weather, you know, uh, players love golfing. There's like the best golf courses in Phoenix, you know, uh, there's, there's no reason why that team shouldn't be able to attract free agents to come play there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet they just have this incredibly incompetent ownership and nobody wants to go there. Yeah. But like, maybe now that Chris Ball's there, like, things yeah, maybe. so I, yeah, there's just like this, like this hopeful, you know, sense in me that wants to believe that like good things can happen to teams that try. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, we have no examples of that. Right. I, yeah. well, I mean, there's also, you mentioned golden state and there's also Toronto, Toronto mm-hmm. team that, you know, doubled down on, on their luck and they created this team that was able to win. So I think that you have to really just utilize your team mm-hmm. and then, you you simply just have to it's just when you're a small market team you have things that you need to perfect you have no margin of error there, there is very there's little margin yeah. of error right yeah. but if you do it right things can work out for you in the end i think for instance like oklahoma city is a great example as well mm-hmm. so you have you, you you drafted perfectly like there's really no other like they drafted, all their draft picks, none of them busted. Like they drafted mm-hmm. three MVPs in three straight drafts. Like I don't think there's. And ever then they Serge Ibaka at the end of one. Of the yeah, and then you, exactly. So I don't know if there's ever been a stronger three-year draft run than what Oklahoma City did. But Oklahoma City's mistake was extending Serge Ibaka instead of James Harden. Mm-hmm. So that's the thing, and in that one little trick changed. Because I guarantee, and I think we've seen it now in the years since, had Harden been in Oklahoma City instead of Ibaka, that team would have won a title. I I, I believe that. I do you think about how that? close they were to winning one in 2012, even with exactly. the three guys, right? Like, you know, speaking of the Lakers, right? Like they, mm-hmm. the the Thunder just wrecked mm-hmm. the Lakers when they met in the playoffs in 2012. It was five game series. It was not even that close. And this was a team where their best guys were 22, 23 years old. And they go to the finals. They win the first game against Miami, that big three. They're, what, like one possession away from winning game two, and then it sort of goes off the rails. But, like, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. I have no doubt in my mind that if James Harden is on that team the next year, they're winning title at least by 2014. Like, that's mm-hmm. – it's going to be within the next two years tops. Right. And then, uh, like, so Harden signed, I think, what was like a five-year deal in, in Houston mm-hmm. when he got traded after that season. So if he would have signed that five-year deal instead of Ibaka – 
Who knows what would have happened? But then it like makes you wonder, like if they're in Seattle and they have ownership who's willing to spend a little bit more money because they're getting exactly. more ticket revenue or like more sponsorships in Seattle, then that team stays together, right? Mm-hmm. That's a bigger market. So, so I think we've come to the conclusion that it's it's really honestly just the teams in these larger markets they have an advantage. However, they need to use that advantage to their benefit. There are teams like the Lakers who do that. And there are teams like the Clippers and the The Knicks (laughs) that don't. And for instance, there are small market teams, teams like Oklahoma City that take advantage of their, you know, I wouldn't say strengths, but take advantage of what is given to them Mm -hmm. versus teams like Charlotte and Sacramento that continue to live in, you know, kind of mediocrity. And there's not really much of a chance to grow and their windows are smaller and their margin of error is slim, but that only enhances the need to draft the best scouting departments and, you know, hopefully obtain players that value things like loyalty and, and don't really care about, you know, living in the large market. And that's that's hard to get. That's really hard to get. I think, I mean, you have guys like Victor Oladipo who I think, you know, we'll see in the next couple of months, but someone that desires to be in a larger market and someone that hasn't really played in a large market in his entire career. Houston is the, you know, he made his debut last night, but you know, Houston is the, um, like the biggest market he's ever played in. Who knows if he'll want to play in Houston long-term because is they're not going to be considered a big market. Like I'm, I'm curious, is it like a middle size market? How, how are we? It's a good question because <laughs> I, I've lived in Houston my whole life and I don't even know if I know the answer, <laughs> um, but I mean, it's a large city. It's a large yeah. city that is, you know, I think it's like what the fourth largest city in the United States. Um, it's not New York and it's not LA. And in some extent, it's not even Miami either. Mm-hmm. So, but Houston has done a good job, I think, of creating this atmosphere of, you know, they, they took the James Harden thing and they ran with it as far as they could. Literally, as they 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 could not have extended the Harden experience any longer. Any time there was something up in the air, they they kept with it and they went with it as long as they could. Um, and that's the thing about Houston too is they're in like a weird spot, but they have always um, tried to get superstars to come here so that they can attract others. That's something that Houston uses and tries to use it to their advantage, whether they draft trade or sign they're they're looking to always get big bill guys so that they can you know magnetize them because look at what the james harden trade brought for them it brought them chris paul dwight howard uh, russell westbrook and john wall all victor sign with houston he was drafted by houston before right who chandler parsons Chandler Parsons was drafted by Houston. Yeah. So, so another team that also there's a lot of second round picks from Houston that have you know made strong impacts in the league. Montrezl Harrell, another example. Um, that's you know it's a good one. <laughs> yeah, and uh, like DeAnthony Melton, who's doing well in in Memphis, and you know they they have they've have a history of also drafting really well in the second round. So that's also something too. But I want to try to pivot back to to the question at hand. Uh, this Lakers trade for Chris Paul and, you know, Houston traded for Pau Gasol. So they, they wanted to go out and get that guy. So I understand Houston's perspective, but I'm going to ask you, Sabrina, do you think the Lakers were better off with this trade being vetoed or not? Oh, definitely better off without a veto. hundred yeah. percent. Um, 
Because first of all, I, I mentioned earlier how I thought that they'd given up too much to get Chris Paul, that they had to give up Pau Gasol and Lamar Odom. And obviously around NBA circles, we went through this earlier that like people did not think that they like, gave up enough to get Chris Paul. But um, what happened afterwards was that Lamar Odom was so betrayed by the fact that they had tried to trade him mm-hmm. that they had to just dump him anyway for a protected first round pick. So now you go into next season where no Chris Paul, but also no Lamar Odom and nobody really to replace him. I think they ended up having like a Josh McRoberts, Troy Murphy combination at power forward, which granted this was nine years ago, you don't need to remember that well to know that Josh McRoberts and Troy Murphy are not Lamar Odom. Uh, so that was, you know, that was an unexpected loss when they weren't even getting Chris Paul. And then to top it off, like Chris Paul goes to the Clippers. And I'm not going to say that the Clippers have like taken over LA by any stretch of the imagination, but this gave them equal footing with the Lakers, like on the basketball court, at Mm -hmm. least, right? Like the very next season, um, the Lakers, I want to say finished third in the West and the Clippers were fourth or like third and fifth or something, but like they were very close to one another. They were fifth in the West in their season with Chris Paul. And then, and then obviously the Clippers go on to make the playoffs six straight years. You know, it's, it's a mixed bag of results in the postseason, but like they, they definitely had an opportunity to create footing in Los Angeles that would not have happened had they not acquired Chris Paul. Like Blake Griffin was great and all, but he was just another one of these young guys who you expected to just find better days elsewhere, right? Like he was not going to be the savior of the Clippers. So I think just by the fact that like the Clippers got something out of it was a problem for the Lakers. And I'm not going to say that like the reason Kawhi Leonard and Paul George signed with the Clippers was because of Chris Paul, but like, I, I think you can definitely see like the stair step to that point, you know, like Steve Ballmer doesn't buy the team if they're not, well, I guess Steve bought any team because he tried to buy the Kings. So, you know, like yeah, there's true. like, uh, there's a progression, right? You mm-hmm. know, the Clippers get better and better incrementally after acquiring Chris Paul. And now we're at the point where they're a legitimate rival for the Lakers and nobody wants that in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Like they want the Lakers. <laughs> so, but then just considering the Lakers, like what happens in 2012, right? They lose in the second round of the playoffs. Once again, it's not close. Um, 2013, they have such a bare bones roster, even after acquiring Dwight Howard, that Kobe has to go just supernova and literally flames out by the end of it when he tears his Achilles, right? And then you're done for the next four years. Mm-hmm. So if you have Chris Paul, presumably Kobe doesn't overwork himself, right? You get maybe one or two years out of him beyond 2013, as opposed to just the three mm-hmm. extended retirement years, mm-hmm. let's say. Um, maybe when you get Dwight Howard, you're in better position to optimize him because obviously Kobe Bryant was not the guy he wanted to play with, but he would have done very well next to Chris Paul. I firmly believe that. Yeah. And then, you know, that's, that's a team that's like not in the hellscape that the Lakers were for mm-hmm. four years. And it's hard to say that like where the Lakers have ended up is not perfect. Right. Because like they end the decade winning a championship and the decade with LeBron James, Anthony Davis, who could very well be the best player in the NBA for the next five years. Like, I think mm-hmm. that's very much on the table. So it's, it's weird to say that, like, no, I think the Lakers might have stake in this process that led them to this point. But, like, let's be clear. They, they got here by dumb luck, right? Like, they got to LeBron James because they were in Los Angeles. That's not going to change whether or not you have Chris Paul, right? Right. And they, um, yeah, they made some nice draft picks. But, like, I'm pretty sure that they could have just thrown more future picks at New Orleans to get Anthony Davis. Like, I, mm-hmm. I don't think the sticking point here was that, oh, they drafted, you know, uh, Josh Hart instead of, somebody else at 20, like number 30 back in the 2017 draft. Like, that's not what got them at this point. They got exactly. it because they just said, mm-hmm. here, what do you want? Take it. We're going to keep Kyle Kuzma though, because let's keep Kyle Kuzma. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, it's pretty clear that the, the middle of the 2010s would have looked so much better for the Lakers. Have they had Chris Paul? I mean, I think about the Lob City Clippers, you know, Blake and DeAndre were supposed to be the young guys that would carry on after Chris Paul. Like they're done. 
And Chris mm-hmm. Paul's still going. Chris Paul yeah. is still all NBA player. That's a plot twist. I don't think people expected. Yeah. So yeah. I want to ask you a two-part loaded question. This okay. Is, this is gonna like knock your socks off. Okay. <laughs> if the Lakers make this trade and this mm-hmm. trade goes through, and they get Dwight Howard, there's a mm-hmm. big three with Chris Paul, Dwight Howard, Kobe. Do the Lakers win a championship? And if Kobe gets a sixth ring. Does that put him more closer to Michael Jordan or even past Michael Jordan at that point? Okay. So Lakers big three is presumably having to go against the well, Miami. Oklahoma City has drained James Harden at this point. So yeah. we're not Oklahoma, everything else happened except yeah. for you know what happened. Except for or, you know, Houston the, the, the Dwight Howard, or mm-hmm. the Clippers don't have Chris Ball. Yeah. Right. Um let's see. So Houston, you know, they've got Pagasol, they've got Nene, I think was the guy they were getting after they signed that Chris Paul trade. Um, so that's that's a perfectly that Dwight Howard's not gonna have trouble with that team. I don't think that's an issue. Mm-hmm. Um so really the issue here is that you're going up against the Miami team in the finals. That's that's the team you have to beat. And you've got Dwayne Wade, LeBron Bosch, you've got Chris Paul, Kobe. So I still think the Miami team is really good. Mm-hmm. That Miami team is fantastic. Uh Eventually, you're going to have to get through that San Antonio group. Yeah, too. the Lakers are going to have to get through the Spurs, too. Yeah. <laughs> and do, does, can the team afford to keep Dwight Howard? I think they do. I think they definitely extend Dwight Howard. That's mm-hmm. not an issue. This is a team that pays its stars. That's right. Let's let's Even though they were able to sign him you know, in 2013. But I think w- if, if the team is different than the Steve Nash, Kobe, Powder. Yeah, Kobe. we're not getting Steve Nash at this point. That's not mm-hmm. happening. Yeah, that's not happening. There, there are no assets to mm-hmm. throw at Phoenix. And you don't and, need to Chris Paul. And also, kind of – a weird, weird way to kind of look into this, but if the Rockets get Paul Gasol and they have, you know, Kevin Martin was the primary piece to get James Harden. James Harden's not in Houston. Yeah. So James Harden's probably looking elsewhere and maybe, uh, you know, maybe he goes to another team in the West. Maybe he stays out East. I don't know, but maybe that's Golden State ends up giving up Clay Thompson for him. Like same. That, that, yeah. Oh my goodness. There's there's a lot. Let's let's just focus on like the full can of worms with this. Let's focus on the key contenders. Um, I think the Lakers would have won another title with Chris Mm -hmm. Paul and Dwight Howard. I think it would have happened. I don't think Kobe is like surpassing Michael Jordan in this uh, situation though. Even with six, um, just better than LeBron. (laughs) Oh God! (laughs) Uh, I mean, how many titles is he taking away from LeBron? Like, (laughs) that's also yeah. Yeah. So if he if he takes away like those two Miami titles from LeBron, like LeBron's not even in this discussion. No, anymore, right? Absolutely. Uh, wow. What a maybe he what has a, to come to LA then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they just break the they just break the luxury tax. Just, just break everything. LeBron <laughs> just, just send everyone to the Lakers. I mean, at this point, Kobe has retired anyway, so yeah. you know there's some money available. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ooh, that's that's really weird. I, I think just the fact that Michael won six while being Finals MVP six times is something that Kobe can't match even winning six because three of those were with Shaq as finals MVP, right? Like he was very clearly second banana and Michael Jordan was never, never even close to being second banana. Right. Right. Like there are arguments to be made that Pau Gasol deserved finals MVP in 2009 instead of Kobe. Like there, he wasn't even like Mm -hmm. de facto number one on that team, you know? Uh, So yeah, six, maybe he gets seven, seven puts him over Michael. Let's, let's be clear. Seven puts him over Mm -hmm. Michael, but like, Six, I don't think is doing it. Yeah. And who knows? Maybe we'd have gotten seven. And, you know, obviously with January and 
you know, Kobe's the anniversary of Kobe's death coming. So we're going to have a lot more Kobe coverage. So be sure to I'm check sure it out. Fans are going to love that. Yeah. So <laughs> we're going to have two Kobe strictly Kobe themed episodes for next week's up uh, for next week's episodes. So be sure to subscribe to the Passable podcast on your podcast app of choice uh, to not miss those episodes. And we also have another episode tomorrow covering the Clippers side of the Chris Paul traits. So you're not going to want to miss that either. Uh, but thank you so much for tuning into this episode. Sabrina, loved having you. I can't wait to have you back in the future. Maybe we'll talk Andrew Bynum someday. That would be so much fun. <laughs> Feel free to drop your Twitter and any work that you're, you're working on and, uh, Yep. Yeah, all of my work is at SB Nation, either covering the Lakers at Silver Screen and Roll, or I also cover the Clippers at Clips Nation. And my Twitter is Sabrina JM. That's Sabrina with two E's. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Sabrina. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And until next time, rewind and be kind.